if you brought your Bible with you to church, and I sure hope you did, I'm going to invite you to turn with me to John's Gospel, chapter 15. John 15. Um, On behalf of my wife, I want to say thank you for your prayers and words of encouragement, uh, text messages and phone calls and cards. Uh, We feel loved. Um, Rachel chose that song for this morning before uh, Chris's dad got promoted to glory. And uh, uh, Chris was originally going to sing with her daughter today, but uh, we knew it would be better if we would just let the, the Spirit minister to her through those words. And uh, it's, it's a thing for us as, as followers of Jesus Christ. Um, we mourn, yes. We, we grieve, yes. But not as those who have no hope. Hallelujah, right? <laughs> And uh, my, my father-in-law, I was joking with the uh, elders this morning. He was the kind of guy, he loved all of his kids. He loved all of his grandchildren. Uh, he didn't play favorites uh, except with me. Um, and that's because he only had one daughter. I was by far his favorite son-in-law of all time. <laughs> we expect a bright tomorrow. All will be well. Faith can sing through days of sorrow, all is well. On our Father's love relying, Jesus every need supplying. Yes, in living and in dying, all is well. Amen? Okay, I'm going to have you stand with me as we read from God's word. If you're able to, I'll invite you to stand. We're going to be at verse 18 of chapter 15. And these are words that Jesus spoke to his men. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have seen and hated both me and my Father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you've been with me from the beginning. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. You may be seated. And if you have your Bible open, I'm going to have you 
put your finger on verse 1 of chapter 16. Okay? Uh, when, when you read these verses or hear them read, they perhaps take you off guard. If you haven't been in here on previous Sundays as we made our way through the first 14 chapters of John's Gospel, this part of our Savior's message might seem difficult and out of place, even unpleasant to hear. Jesus tells us in these verses that there may be a high price for following him. Verse 19, he says, the world's going to hate you. In verse 20, that you'll be persecuted. Chapter 16, verse 2, you'll be excommunicated. And even, Jesus says in the second half of that verse, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. Now, as all of you know, two weeks ago, we were celebrating Easter. At least I think it was two weeks ago. And we joined with hundreds of millions of Christians throughout the world that day in proclaiming the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That very same day that we were celebrating, hundreds of our fellow believers in the island nation of Sri Lanka were being killed on account of their faith. I thought about that a little bit in our Sunday school hour. Um, I'm in here with, uh, with the men. And the women, of course, are down the hall. And the kids are coming and going at different times. And, and I'll say one of the things I'm so blessed with, blessed by as a pastor, is to hear the sound of, of children in church. Well, that Easter morning, the kids in a Sunday school class at a church called Zion Church, a congregation affiliated with the Fellowship of Free Churches in Sri Lanka, were asked a very big question by their teacher. The teacher said, how many of you are willing to die for Christ? How many of you? And, and the amazing thing is, every one of the young people in that Sunday school class raised their hands. Minutes later, their class over, pretty much like our church would be at 10 o'clock, the little kids came filing down to the main service. And then there was an explosion. And half of the children who just made their faith-filled profession were killed in that blast. And who was their attacker? If you read the news, you know it was an Islamic extremist who thought exactly as Jesus had prophesied, that he was offering service to God. Now, people that have done the studies will tell us in the last 100 years, more people died on account of their faith in Jesus Christ than in the 19th centuries before that put together. And interestingly, in the last 10 years of the 20th century, more people died for their faith for their faithfulness to Jesus Christ than in the 90 years before that combined. And if you follow the news, you'll see that those numbers continue to grow. In fact, the death toll for our fellow believers in certain parts of the world have went so high that the word genocide is being used to describe their extermination, their murders, their martyrdom. And, and put in that context, context, it's actually should be easy for us to see 
why this message from our Savior is included here in the pages of John's Gospel. You see, the heavy-duty persecution that churches and Christians around the world are experiencing, even today, is not catching our Lord off guard or unaware. Jesus knew these days would come, and Jesus wants all of us to be prepared. He wants us to count the cost and also to realize that with his help, we could and would be able to stand and persevere until the very end. Verse 1 of chapter 16, where I had you place your finger, Jesus says, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. Praise God. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we know that we need you. Our hearts grieve for our brothers and sisters around the world who are dying daily on account of their faith, who are choosing to honor you and love you and esteem you above all things this world has to offer. We pray comfort for their families and for their loved ones, and we ask that you would encourage and embolden us the witness of your saints around the world, especially as we see the day approaching. And Lord, that's our desire for us as well. We want to be men and women and young people who are unashamed of the gospel, who will, even in spite of great opposition at times, stand firm on your truth. Lord, as we make our way through these verses, I ask that you will use me to communicate the truths you want us to understand. And, and then, Lord, that, that we wouldn't just be content with knowing more and more information, but we would count on you rely on you, expect you to use these truths to transform not only the way we think, but in fact the very way we live. To the praise of your name, amen. Well, if you have a bulletin, you'll see as normal, we've got an outline printed as an insert, and I'm encouraging you to follow along if that's helpful. Last week in the first half of this chapter, chapter 15, we read about the great love that's to be present in the church. The great love that's to be present between us as believers and between us as believers and our Savior. And now in this week's passage, we see the Son of God contrast that great and selfless love that's a normal part of the life of a born-again Christian with the great hatred we can expect to receive on account of our loyalty to and our love for Him. And Jesus spelled this all out because he wanted the men listening to him that day and us here this morning, in fact, all believers throughout the centuries, to be prepared for the difficult days we surely will be called on to endure. We can't say it any plainer than Jesus does in verse 18 of chapter 15. Verse 18 of chapter 15, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If the world, Jesus says, hates you. Uh, some of you know this. In John's gospel, the word world is used in three different ways. And in John 1, verse 10, it's, it's used to describe the created world, everything that we can see. In John 3, verse 16, it's used for hum humanity. And here in John 15, Jesus uses this word to describe a society that is utterly opposed to God and, in fact, everyone who loves him. 
18 again, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. I want to let you in on something. There's a little two-lettered word in that verse that is spelled I-F, if. That word doesn't actually apply to you if you are fully committed to following Jesus. You see, the Bible says it's not if the world hates you, but when it hates you. Where stands it written? How about 2 Timothy 3 verse 12, which says, All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So how many of us are going to be persecuted? All of us. We're all included in that number. At least we should be if we count ourselves as blood-bought, born-again followers of Jesus. And as we go on in this passage, Jesus is going to give us four reasons why this will be true. And we're going to take a brief look at each of them. Reason number one. Jesus says, first of all, in verse 19, that the world is going to hate you because your allegiance has changed. The world is going to hate you as a follower of Jesus Christ because your allegiance has changed. If you were of the world, this is verse 19, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. I'm not sure if you've ever noticed it before, but there is a warning in this verse. Be careful about trying to get this world to like you. Be careful. Now, why would I say that? Well, look, exactly who does Jesus say the world is going to love? Jesus says the world is going to love the people of the world. And, And so that pretty much means if you and I are going to be escaping this hatred Jesus tells us about, we have to convince people who are opposed to the message of the cross that we actually have not switched sides. Now, I've got a question for you. What's the main way that the people of this world can tell if your allegiance has changed? What's the main evidence they can see? Well, it's your beliefs, your new beliefs, which have transformed the way you behave. You are living a lifestyle that's significantly different than the lifestyle you lived before you turned from your sins and placed your faith in Jesus and the finished work of the cross and at that very moment experienced God's love and acceptance and forgiveness. At that moment, everything changed. For some of us, this radical life change is as apparent as it was for the Christians the Apostle Peter was writing to in his first epistle. We're going to put this up on the big screen. 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 3 and 4, and and, um, we're going to have, this quote is from the Amplified Version of the Bible. Peter, writing to those believers, says, "The The time already past is more than enough for doing what the unsaved Gentiles like to do. Living unrestrained, as you have done, in a course of shameless sensuality, lusts, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties, and wanton idolatries. In connection with all this, they, the unbelievers, are resentful and surprised that you do not think like them, value their values, and run hand in hand with them, 
into the same excesses of dissipation and immoral freedom. And they criticize and abuse and ridicule, ridicule you and make fun of your values. Hmm. It's the same today as it was back in Peter's day. This world tries to exert tremendous pressure on its own, all to keep them from switching sides. But once it does become clear that your allegiance has changed, that you've been transferred from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the Son, once that all becomes apparent, Jesus says the world is going to hate you. So it's not if, church, but when. Okay, chapter 15 again. Before we move on from here, uh, I want to take a moment and focus on the middle of verse 19 where Jesus speaks about being chosen. And uh, I, I knew there's a lot of things we're going to cover today, but I just sent some of you here this morning needed to hear this, either to be reminded of this truth yourself or be able to explain it to someone else who questions what does it mean to be chosen. Why are you no longer of the world? Why? Why have you been chosen? You know, it's not because you're smarter than the average person. It's not, as Mark was making clear, because you have superior moral attributes. It's not even because you showed good potential. No, actually, in spite of who you are, Jesus has chosen you. The other day I came across a simple explanation from evangelist A.W. Pink. He was a, a Bible teacher and author who was born about a century and a half ago. How do you know you have been chosen? I want you to look at these with me up on the big screen. Pink lays out three characteristics. First of all, how do you know you've been chosen? By the word of God having come in divine power to the soul so that my self-complacency is shattered and my self-righteousness is renounced. Second, by the Holy Spirit convicting me of my woeful, guilty, and lost condition. And third, by having had revealed to me the suitability and sufficiency of Christ to meet my desperate case and by a divinely given faith causing me to lay hold of and rest upon him as my only hope. I don't know if I've ever heard it said as well as Pink says it. I think that's a very good explanation. And, and brothers and sisters, if, if those three points describe you, how about you join me in saying, praise be to God. <laughs> yeah, I hope, I hope it's at least half of us can praise God that he has chosen us. And if you're not sure you're yet to be included as one of God's chosen, today ask Jesus to reveal himself to you and the truth of his word to you. Let today be the day of your salvation. Turn from your sins and place your faith in Jesus. The Bible says the Lord doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to a knowledge of the truth. And, and knowing that this is the case, your goal and my goal as believers shouldn't be to get the world to love us, but to help them come to love our Jesus, even if and when they hate us for it. 
Reason number two the world's going to hate you is because you are abiding in Jesus Christ. Okay? Reason number two, you are abiding in Christ. Now to verse 20. Jesus says, Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. Now last Sunday, Pastor Jeremy showed us four types of fruit. Jesus says the Holy Spirit is going to produce in the life of those who are connected to or abiding in him. Four kinds of fruit. I like that little logo of the bear. One of my kids has that on a t-shirt, so I, I put it on there. Bear fruit, did you get it? Okay. <laughs> okay, four, four kinds of fruit. First is obedience. I'm reading a book on evangelism by Robert Coleman, and in his book he writes, Jesus expected the men he was with to obey him. They were not required to be smart, but they had to be loyal. You know, that's one of the distinguishing marks of us as followers of Jesus Christ, that kind of fruit, the fruit of obedience. Second is joy. Third is the love we have for one another. And the fourth is answered prayer. By the way, why did Jesus describe what it looks like to bear this kind of fruit? Well, lots of reasons, but in part because he wants to remind you and me that we are incapable of living this kind of life without his help. Verse 20 again, remember the word. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant's not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. Jesus says because you abide in him, because you identify with him, because you keep his word, you shouldn't expect to be treated any differently than he was. Jesus spells it out here so we're not surprised. You can expect to be hated. Uh, this next story dates me a little bit. Um, a few decades back, a well-known pro golfer was playing in a, in a tournament with President Gerald Ford fellow pro Jack Nicholas and evangelist Billy Graham. And after the round was over, one of the other pros in a tour asked, hey, hey, what was it like to play with the president and, and to play a round of golf with Billy Graham? And, and that pro, that other pro, didn't like being asked that question. He, he said with disgust, I don't need Billy Graham stuffing religion down my throat. And after he said those words, he stormed off to the practice tee. His friend followed, and after that golfer pounded out his fury on a bucket of golf balls, his friend finally asked him, well, was Billy a little rough on you out there? And the pro sighed and said with embarrassment, no, he didn't even mention religion. Didn't even say anything about it. I think, isn't that something? Billy Graham said nothing to this golfer about Jesus or judgment or the need to repent. Yet after that golf game was over, that pro stomped away, accusing Billy of trying to ram religion down his throat. And, and I share that story with you because we're likely to experience 
the same response if we are abiding in Jesus Christ. You know, as our, as our culture continues to drift further and further away from God, you and I stick out more and more and more. And so we shouldn't be surprised. And church, I'm telling you, refuse to compromise. As we're going to see at the end of the message, as followers of Christ, we've been specially prepared to persevere. Now to verse 21. And the third reason the world is going to hate you as a follower of Jesus. Reason number three, your persecutors are alienated from God. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name because they do not know him who sent me. Now Jesus was certainly, including the religious experts of his generation, in that description. Jesus is talking in part about people who who knew a lot of facts about God, could even quote verses and, and perhaps even chapters of the Old Testament, but who tragically didn't know God. The thrust of this verse was a common theme to our Savior's preaching. If you love God, you love Him. But if you reject Jesus, you reject the one who sent Him and His plan of salvation. How can I be that bold in making that declaration? Because the Word of God says so. 1 John 4, verse 14, one of our kids' Awana verses. The Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. And yet it's not easy for us knowing all these truths. We can often have a difficult time dealing with people who hate us. And why is that? Well, because as human beings, we want people to like us, right? Do you know what Jesus wants us to do to those who hate us? It's not to treat them as our adversaries. No, if you look through the rest of the Gospels, you see Jesus said to love them. Jesus said to pray for them. Jesus said to share the good news of his gospel with them. It's sometimes said that though the people of this world know a lot about what we as evangelicals are against, it's not always so clear to them what we're for or what we're in favor of. I've thought about that a lot the last few days. What is our reputation as believers in this world? Do we have a reputation of being very, very caring people? And not just caring about the challenges people face on this side of eternity, although that's certainly an important part of it, but for caring about where people will spend all eternity. Do we have that reputation of caring? The pastor of one of those churches in Sri Lanka that lost many of its members on Easter publicly chose to respond with forgiveness. And in the process, he, he quoted the very prayer our Savior spoke as he hung on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgiveness, that's not always easy. But our Savior's prayer makes it unmistakably clear. Relationships matter to Jesus. His ministry was about 
reconciliation. Through his blood, he has provided the only way, the one and only way for a repentant sinner's transgressions to be covered, to be washed away, to be forgiven. The one and only way for any one of us here in this room today or living on this planet to be reconciled with the God of all creation. And you and I, as members of this church, have been entrusted with the responsibility of preaching this gospel throughout all the world. Does the world see that you and I care about where they will spend eternity? I, I read a story. Uh, this happened years past. It was a very troubling account of what happened when a man on death row was approached by a minister of the gospel. And that minister that went to speak to the man who was on death row shared the gospel with him. But it didn't seem all that apparent that this pastor either believed what he was preaching or thought it would be a good idea for this man who was facing sure and certain death to know and understand and respond to. And, and the man who heard the pastor share that little message uh, looked back at, at this pastor and said, I, I'm really surprised to hear what you're saying and how you're saying it. And he said, if I believed what you say you believe, I would be willing to crawl on my knees over broken glass to make sure everybody who needed to hear this good news had an opportunity to hear this good news and respond to this good news. Jesus has called you and me to be his representatives and to share the good news of his gospel with those who still yet to believe. Good thing, as worked up as I am, that I've uh, numbered my pages here. <laughs> now to verse 21. Are we at reason number three? Four? Okay. Now, you know what I think I did? I think I numbered two pages the exact same number. <laughs> All right, church. Hang in there with me. I think this is kind of therapy for me this morning too. Verse 22, a fourth reason Jesus says the world is going to hate you is because your persecutors refuse to acknowledge their sin. They refuse to acknowledge their sin and because of that, they're unwilling to admit their need of a savior. They're spiritually blind. Okay, Those who hate you are spiritually blind. Blinded, in fact, by the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. And as a result, they're dishonest about their sin. Verse 22 again, Jesus speaking, If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. There's some difficult things here in these verses. We're not going to dig really deep here, but other pastors, wiser and more learned than me, have said that in these verses, Jesus isn't speaking of sin in general, 
but rather the specific sin of willfully rejecting him in the face of full revelation. In other words, they've, they've heard his words, they've seen his works, and yet they've refused to believe. And Jesus says those people have no excuse. We know that only a few hours after he spoke these words, Jesus would be betrayed and arrested and then put on trial. But in reality, as this section of John bears witness, it wouldn't be the Son of God who would be put on trial, but actually this world especially those who willfully reject Christ. But the message of Jesus concerning the dangers of following him doesn't end here. In fact, we're going to look at a few encouraging words we have in this passage as well. Because in the following verses, the sinless Son of God goes on to name three reasons at least we can not only be confident in the face of persecution, but also able to endure it. Okay, three reasons. And the first is this, God's purposes. God's purposes. Our God is sovereign. You know, that's hard for us to understand. And if you can't understand it all, church, I hope at least you take it in faith, believe it in faith. God is sovereign. And that means he's in charge and his will is being accomplished even in and through suffering. Jesus knew that firsthand. And that's why in verse 25 he quotes from the book of Psalms, but the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. Isn't that right? You know, Jesus went around performing miracles and healing the sick, feeding the multitudes, never, ever, ever once ever sinned against anybody, and yet he was hated. And yet in the process, God's perfect and eternal purposes were being accomplished. Jesus said all these words must be fulfilled. Our Savior knew that the irrational hatred people had for him would lead to the cross. But Jesus also knew that at the cross, his Father's purposes would be accomplished in and through his suffering. And yes, even today, God's purposes are being fulfilled in and through the suffering of his church. Second way we've been prepared to persevere is through God's power. Verse 26, when the helper comes, whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you've been with me from the beginning. Okay, Jesus is not saying when things get hard and difficult, you need to circle the wagons. No, <laughs> Jesus has given us a great commission, okay? And not only has he given us a great commission, he has given us in the Holy Spirit our great companion, power to witness for him. I think all of you would agree it's never a good idea to engage in spiritual warfare in your own strength or ability. And, and praise the Lord, as spirit-filled followers of Jesus Christ, we don't ever have to. Third way, reason number three, God's people. Okay, first is purpose, second is power, third is through his people. I liked how you, you said that, Mark, as you were beginning to pray. God's people are pretty important to God's design. And, and Jesus didn't deliver this message to just one person or even a few of his disciples. He told all of them, all that we're reading this morning. So this, this word you... In 
this section of the Word of God is actually plural. Kind of like a friend of ours from down south likes to say, you all, okay? It's plural. Jesus says, verse 16, I have said all these things to you, to all of you, to keep you from falling away. They'll put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he's offering service to God, and they will do these things again because they have not known the Father nor me. I think most all of you know it. It's not possible to live out the teachings of God's word without other believers. And that's why not only on Sunday mornings do we gather in this room, but we have Sunday school classes and life groups most of the rest of the year. Our relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ are not only good for each of us, they also bear witness to this world of the presence, the reality, the transforming power of Christ in our lives. And when we gather together, we help each other remember the commitment that Jesus has made to each one of us and the commitments we've made to each other and to him. Uh, we're going to put at this point this week's memory verse up on the big screen. And I'm going to have you read this aloud with me, okay? And, and we're going to read this not just to ourselves but to each other. We're reminding ourselves of a very, very important truth. Jesus says, verse 11, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus wants us to know God's purposes are going to prevail. His spirit isn't going to empower us. And as his people, we're to commit to gathering together so we can encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. Uh, I'm going to invite you to pause with me in prayer. And, and Father God, I'm just going to ask that your spirit continue to help us understand why you wanted us to hear these truths today. You don't want any one of us to fall away. You, Lord Jesus, want us to stand firm to the end. You want us to persevere, and you will help us. Father, I, I pray that you would help us each understand that it's not so much people hating us or being opposed to us, but people hating you and being opposed to the message of the cross. We want to admit, Lord, sometimes we have been more concerned with what the world is saying about us than what you know to be true about us. We're thankful for the faithful example of our brothers and sisters throughout the world who are able to make the bold confession, who are able to look into the face of those who hate them and share the good news of your love. Uh, Lord, we don't know exactly how this is all going to affect us in our nation in coming weeks and months and years, but we can sense the spiritual climate is changing. And we want to be people who the world knows not so much by what we're against, but what we are for. We are for seeing them come to know you in a personal and real way. So burden our hearts with those things that burden yours and encourage us always, Jesus, to look forward to what you have in store for those who love you. 
And even as we look forward to remember again what you chose to do for us, that we could know and serve and love you all the days you grant us life and then share that certain inheritance of heaven. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.